Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 224. My name is Matt. As always, joined by my co-host, Evan. How are we doing this week? Pretty good, man. Just uh, grinding through this final week uh, before Christmas. Uh, I get a week off at Christmas, so... <clears throat> Uh, I know not everybody does, but I am just trying to trying to get there. I'm excited to have some time off. Yeah, I was wondering if you had the week off or not, so yeah, you'll be able to watch all the footy. Going I'm thinking on. I may, yeah, I'm thinking I may just travel to somewhere warmer as well during my week off. I mean, it's I have a full time job now; I have the means to do it. Perhaps a quick jaunt down to South Carolina or Georgia or something of the like. Bring the sticks. Bring the sticks. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be nice. I didn't really celebrate getting a, a job, so maybe I should treat myself, or maybe I should just save the money like a responsible adult. But I think we know what I will actually wind up doing. <laughs> yeah, well, you made some good decisions over last weekend's pick'em. You led us seven and two. Zach Let's go. And, Zach and I went five and four. Those two United or those two Manchester team draws you picked were were very sharp. Um, the the what was it? The Forest Luton game was abandoned due to Lanquier having that cardiac arrest on the field. So uh, it's come out that he's all good and his family and that's there and he's safe. So I believe that's like the second time it's happened to him in the last two or yes, three years. So it is. I don't know if there's that's a health hazard now for him going forward or like, I mean, it's happened twice. So whatever a doctor's decision is going to be on him continuing as a professional is up in the air, but we'll have to wait and see so that game is is void right now so we we have a miss there so overall wise that puts zach in the bottom now 92 and 77 evan is in second 94 and 75 and i've dropped off a bit i'm at 99 and 70 so evan's right back in the mixer after that slow start and kicking it off we had a friday match it was a big match for steve cooper that did not go in his favor. A 2-0 loss to Spurs. Uh, goals coming from Richarlison and Kulisevsky. Richarlison has found some hot form uh, at the nine roll now after his pubic surgery, his pelvic bone, whatever it was. Um, seems like that was the issue. So Yves yep. Basuma picked up a red card in this game. Dumb on him. So now he'll be out for three games again. And overall, Steve Cooper loses another match. That is five in their last six. The other one being a draw, and reports from Fabrizio Romano and others saying Nuno Espirito Santos is flying into Nottingham and could be <laughs> the new boss within the next coming days. I mean, that guy can't crack the top three in that farmer-ass Saudi league with Angolo and Benzema and that Jota kid, the Portuguese kid from uh, Lisbon. I don't know how he's going to do anything with this Nottingham Forest team in this current Premier League. I mean, I have no idea what the fucking idea is there, especially with the way that we saw Nuno, was it last year or two years ago with Spurs? I mean, it was so bad, dude. I, I have no idea what the idea is there, but that doesn't seem to be the right one. Yeah, and his time at Spurs was short-lived. I believe it was only like half a season he made it before they made yeah. the change to Antonio Conte, but... Or if I forget how the order went, but still, I mean, I think he came in after Jose and then yep. was there and then Conte took over. But yeah, I believe the only person that he has any connection to is Willie Bowley was at Wolves when he was there, <laughs> yeah. as well as Great. as well as Borden Gibbs White. But I don't I think that was when Gibbs White was getting loaned out. 
to the championship and such. So, yeah, I don't know where he's going to find form. This five-back system, they did it again here. Came to no avail. They, they made the 67th-minute change to bring in Chris Wood as a target man, and at that point it was already 2-0, so the game was over. But uh quality win for Spurs. That's two in a row now. They keep on pace to somewhat get in that top four race, especially with Man City dropping points. So um, what are you thinking for Spurs here? Basuma's out again, so they're going to have to replace him with Hoiberg and Skip for the time being. But the front yeah. four looks good. Yeah, I mean, Basuma is not really the sort of creative midfielder anyway. So I'm putting, like, Hoiberg is in there is not quite a direct replacement. I, I think, obviously, Basuma is much better. Uh, he's better on the ball, too. Um, that shouldn't be that much of a loss. Uh, Papsar is kind of the real workhorse in there. Yeah. Basuma's made a lot of really, like, shitty decisions. He started the season great, but he's been actually pretty poor uh, the last six, seven weeks. Uh, I don't really think it's going to be that much of a big deal because it seems like Kulisevsky's really stepping up. Uh, he has been absolutely unbelievable. The the pockets of space he is finding himself in, uh, it's just absolutely fantastic. And he's really starting to exert, you know, some, some physical presence uh, or exude some physical presence. I think he's been unbelievable. His touch on the ball is great. He's good with both feet. Um yeah, I mean, that, that second goal was kind of all down to Matty Turner. He, he made a big mistake, but great finish by Kulisevsky either way. I think this Spurs team uh, is going to, as long as they can hold on for another, they really don't have to hold on for that much longer. Another couple of weeks here, uh, they get Vandevin back and they get um, Madison back. And they're going to be right back up there and like competing, you know. They've, they're, they've been eh in the, the interim, missing those guys. Uh, but it's not like they've lost every game. So I'm very curious to see uh, how things pan out, you know, moving forward. I think getting those two guys back Spurs are going to be just as scary as they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah, three more matches before we get that winter break where we get three weeks away from the Premier League, including Hell. some F- FA Cup matches as well as some international breaks for some teams. I know the U.S. has a tour. Um, so yeah, we should see how that goes forward for Spurs if they can keep it up. Udogi's going to miss their next match. He picked up his fifth yellow, so he'll be out for their next match where they host Everton, and then they'll travel to Brighton for their next two. So should be interesting for, to see how their year of 2023 ends. Um, following it up, the one sharp pick I mentioned, Man City 2, Palace 2, controversial ending, but Palace once again find a way to get something at the Etihad Excuse me, Roy Hodgson post game. There was pictures of Pep frustrated and Hodgson. Excellent. Give, Hodgson giving him a little smirk. Um, they found he a way. He was laughing out loud at him. <laughs> I, I know he still got some juice in him. He's seventy five, seventy six. He's got it going on. Played Fucking a five. Bastard. Played a five four one. <laughs> as they made an appearance late on in the ninety first minute, so potentially he'll be seeing some minutes in their next matchup, um, where I believe they play Thursday against Brighton. So short week for them, but. They got it done here. Goal started, though, Man City's way 2-0, 24th for Jack Grealish, and then the 54th, Rico Lewis, getting a rare goal. Uh, and then later on, we saw the momentum shift. Jean-Philippe Mateta in the, in the 76th from a schlup assist on a cutback, and then Mateta got awarded a penalty after he was fouled in the box, I believe, by Phil Foden. And Michael Lisse icing his veins in the 94th, buries the pen, 
earns a point for her palace who much need it now in 15th position on 17 falling adrift from the pack above them but the bigger story evan man city dropping more points 34 points now mm. still in the top four they're five points behind the leaders arsenal how much further are we going to be slipping here i don't think they're going to slip all that much you know further because they're getting kdb back he's practicing again holland should be back soon uh, win in their I last six I know it's bad, dude. I told you fraudulent behavior is going on, and I picked the draw. I, I said I don't think City are up to it. Missing Holland and missing KDB, you're you don't have any of your aura, which is a big thing. And Doku. Um, yeah. I mean, oh no, Doku as well. Yeah, that was big. Uh, Rico Lewis got a goal. Uh, serviceable, good, you know, good young player. Backline unchanged. I'll tell you who they're missing, man. John Stones. That's a huge thing for them. John Stones going forward, he's you know, he starts at center back, he can play CDM. He's been so good for them. And he got subbed on here, um, but he hasn't been in the starting lineup. I think when you put Stones in there ahead of Ake, um, or even a kanji, they're much better at getting into those forward positions and um it's just not quite the same without those guys, so as we see KDB get reintroduced to the team, perhaps Foden or most likely Grealish move to the bench uh, or or reintroduced as squad rotation players, I think City will be back to it. But what you're seeing right now without Holland, without KDB, Foden and Alvarez and Grealish, Grealish has been very good. Foden and Alvarez are not able to carry a team. It, it, it's not there yet. They're both young. I wouldn't expect it, but... You know, Holland is a, a huge, huge part of this team. And even when he was playing, he kind of was ghosting a little bit. That's that's everything. That's the issue with City right now. And I don't know if it's complacency or, or what, but um, they don't seem to have the same kick this year that they had at the end of last year. And I know they started the season kind of shaky last year too. So it's, it's foolish to rule them out, but it's even more foolish to, you know, not take a look at this and say something is up, you know, this doesn't look right. I have been calling them fraudulent and they've been pretty fraudulent the last six weeks. So I don't know. I hope they fucking keep losing, though. I, I, I pray for it. They get a break in the Champions League draw where they drew Copenhagen, potentially of course. the nicest right. draw. I read yep. stories that Madrid was not allowed to draw against PSV for some reason, even though they're not in the same confederation, or sorry, the same uh, league. So that's a different subject. But uh, Man City did win their semifinal in the International World Cup, or the, sorry, the Club World Cup against uh, the Japanese club, the Urawa Red Diamonds. And then right. they're playing right. Fluminense in the final and that game will be taking place on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. What a competition that is. Yeah. So they should win that. I believe that it might be the first or second time. It should be the first. The first time they've won this because the... Yeah, it is. It's the first time. Chelsea yeah. have won it, though. Yeah. The, I think Chelsea is the first English team to win it. Since I think they United beat Fluminense. I think they beat Fluminese uh, the year following their Champions League win. Yeah, because the Champions League winner is the one that plays in it, so... Yeah, yep. they'll they'll get a little break from the prem in that suit, and then they'll come back, and it says they're going to be playing at Everton. So 
tough mm. tough draw there. Could be interesting. This time last year, we saw Everton get a one-one draw off a um, which we call it Damari Gray banger. Um, oh yeah. We'll see if they can emulate something like that now. Even though they lost in the Carabao Cup today and in, in penalties to Fulham, so one less thing they have to worry about there. But um, what was I going to say? Uh, I guess touch on Palace real quick. Uh, what does this do to their morale? They got Eze back. We see he's back in to be able to play. So they, they play huge. They play Brighton this week. They haven't kept a clean sheet all year. Um, need to find some form right now to steal some points. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, they're going to drop Eze back into the center. Um, I, I'd love to see like a, a you know, narrow with two cams with Alise and, and Eze. That would be amazing. Mateta is the one that they need to start up top with those two uh, if they're both playing. If Palace are now at full strength heading into this period. They've got their injuries out of the way. I think we see a bounce back out of Palace. Uh, and I'm very excited to see, you know, this weekend, if we get Alise, Eze, and Mateta, what we get creatively out of those three players. Because I think on their day, uh, they are very, very threatening. And I'm extremely excited that Eze is back for my fantasy team, but also just because I really like watching him play when he's, you know, having a good day. Yep. Uh, moving on to the next match, we talk about Eze coming back. Well, now we see a player for Fulham leave for three matches. Newcastle with a 3-0 oh, drumming on Fulham. Raul Jimenez with probably one of the oddest red cars I've ever seen in my life. Throwing, Moron. His, throwing his cake into your boy Sean Longstaff's face. <laughs> yeah. um, was originally deemed a yellow. VAR came in, upgraded to a red. He'll be out for the next three matches after his hot start. Uh, no goals in the first half, though. We didn't see the first from until the 57th when Lewis Miley got his first goal of the season. Uh, 64th lead doubled by Almiron. And then the 82nd, Dan Byrne, uh, right on the penalty line, just smashes it in off off his waist. So a uh, big win for them. Keeps them in the top six after two, lo- two losses in a row. Four points behind Tottenham now. They're only a point above United, who are behind them in seventh. We're speaking for Fulham. They were on hot form. Now they get a draw. They get a loss. They're in 11th, top of the bottom half of the table on 21 points. Three teams behind them with 19. Kind of killed a lot of form they had going for them. They were on three wins out of their last four. They scored 13 goals in those games, and they get shut out here at St. James, which is always a tough task, even against a, a very handicapped Newcastle team with all those injuries. Yeah, I mean, this Lewis Miley kid is really really good um we've seen a little bit of him we we haven't really had they haven't had a choice honestly no. you're seeing lewis hall you're seeing lewis miley um nice to see sven botman kind of you know get back in here after that injury um but they are down to a skeleton crew uh isaac's hurt now as well just tough that guy cannot seem to stay on the pitch uh no pope this is a banged up newcastle team and this is a Fulham team that have been in sensational form, scoring a ton of goals. Uh, and they just weren't up to it. They got absolutely locked down. Um, that red card, I mean, what an absolute fucking fool Raul Jimenez is. Uh, we've had like a, a show-wide vendetta against this guy for so long. And now he just gets back into form. And what does he do? He goes ahead, gets himself a red card going to be out for the next one i believe it was a straight red as well it's three issue issued a yellow went to the var monitor yellow was taken off the board and a straight red was awarded so no raul jimenez for the next three games after he seemingly found his form 
I mean, I, I don't know. I have no idea what, what Fulham are supposed to do about that one. Your striker gets a, a red in the 22nd. You're, you're down to 10 men. It's like, that's so early to get a red. And they just couldn't bounce back from that. So, But on Newcastle, I mean, that Lewis Miley kid seems to be a real player. Um, it's always nice to see a 17-year-old get out there and, uh, you know, score in front of his family. That's, that's I'm sure, a very, very special moment. So nice to see. Okay. Yep. All right. Moving on, we have Bournemouth Luton. Um, that was the match that was yes. abandoned. But from what we saw in the 60 minutes, uh, third minute opening goal for Adebayo, Luton set yep. the tone there. And then Solanke in the 57th got the equalizer. And then unfortunately we saw um, we saw Lockyer go down. Nobody around him. A tough scene. We've seen this before with Erickson in the Euros. And it seems like we're having more health issues more and more now in the modern day. Get, well, modern day. Um, I'm sure it goes case by case. But is there any correlation with more games being played? Or do you think it's like a rare case? I don't think that helps, but I don't recall seeing a lot of these. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's very tough because I'm not I'm not a really a conspiracy guy, and I I got the vaccine, but I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of really weird hard stuff going on since the end of COVID, and I know COVID itself. Maybe it's not the vaccine. Maybe it's just COVID. If you if you contracted COVID, it fucks with your heart you develop the myocarditis um which is uh, it's not an arrhythmia but it changes the pacing of your heart there's been a lot of this weird heart stuff since covid um and i don't think you know the amount of games that these guys have to play necessarily helps um but yeah it's very strange we're seeing a lot of it we saw the ericsson one uh there was another who else did it happen to there's another one and then it's happened to lockyer twice uh it's so odd i you know who uh actually died of a heart attack i think i don't remember if it was on a pitch was um do you remember uh check i uh, played for newcastle fuck was his name man check teote oh teote that's another player who died of a heart attack in the last couple of couple of years um he was special wasn't he yeah it's it's very strange i i think the, the congestion, the fixture congestion doesn't help, but it does seem to me that a lot of this stuff has, you know, started to crop up since COVID. So maybe it's a lingering effect of, of the virus. I've, I have no idea. I'm not a doctor, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. Terrible, terrible, but, but it is interesting. We'll see if what happens with Lockyer in the future <laughs> here, if he plays in, in the upcoming games or if they let him go until January, but That'll be a case to keep an eye on. Uh, these teams now have a game in hand. They'll have to reschedule that later down the line. But Bournemouth, as it stands, has sitting 14th on 19 points. And Luton right there in 18th. And that last relegation spot, five points away from safety. Um, speaking on the next game, Chelsea 2-0 win over Sheffield. Um, this was a pretty pretty tame game. Nothing special. Chelsea dominated possession 78-22. to 15 shots to Sheffield's six with six on target for Chelsea, only one for Sheffield. Petrovic gets a nice little clean sheet on his full debut. And then we saw goals come in the 54th and 61st from Cole Palmer and Nico Jackson. 
and yeah it was pretty i mean it's pretty painful at times to watch this <laughs> chelsea team go forward and attack there doesn't seem to be any risks taken with balls in behind and second guessing at times and it just doesn't seem like the chemistry's there and they're too worried about the negatives of the stuff not going their way but this was the perfect team to come up against um a massive mistake from Fodderingham, and then McBurney wasn't really too much of an issue for us to handle <clears> so yeah overall happy with the result puts Chelsea right in 10th on 22 points we're four points behind Brighton in ninth and then we have a lot of teams behind us um within striking distance of jumping us so um, we have a nice couple, nice run of fixtures coming up for the close the year out with Wolves, Palace, and Luton. So if we can make seven, take seven points out of that, that could put us in a really good spot starting the new year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Got to use the new year as like a jumping off point for the rest of the season. Like, you know, treat it as two halves. Let's let's make sure that the second half of the season is, is better and make sure that everybody's bought in. You guys have Nkunku back now, it's seemingly, as long as there's no more injury setbacks and yes i did just knock on wood um i think you guys are better <clears throat> uh, not ironically i think you guys are better when you play with fucking four center backs back there just spread across and i know this was i know this was uh sheffield so you can't take too much from it but it's good that that chelsea went out there got the got the three points and didn't really have to sweat all that much for it regardless of if it is painful to watch them attack sometimes yeah, I mean, having the center backs as wing backs or full backs, you don't get that same creative um, addition of attacking sense from those guys as Chilwell and James and even Kukurel and Gusta. Those guys get forward and be more comfortable yes. on the ball and whipping balls in. Whereas Okawa and Dezazi, that's just not what they're. That's not what they've trained for their whole careers. I mean, so nope. we saw it today in the League Cup. For those that watched, they they won in penalties. Over Newcastle, fortunately, got a, a late equalizer off a trippier mistake. Mutrik jumped on that, and, I mean, we dominated that game as well in possession. Just one massive mistake gave Wilson a free goal. So, one thing I like seeing is Connor Gallagher playing that box number eight next to Caicedo. Enzo today played a little further, but in this game, Enzo didn't play. Um, he didn't start. He came in in the second half as a sub, so... We might have too many players that are similar to that that play in similar roles, so we can't utilize all their all of them at the same time. So, for Poch to have to figure that out now while everybody's slowly coming back would be a plus. But we just got to find the guys that are in hot form and just run with them. Poch only has a short term deal until twenty twenty five, so he's got to show something this year for him to get an extension and. I think it. I think in Kunku coming back, we couldn't see him fully express himself in the game today. Hopefully, we'll see more of him Sunday against Wolves. But at the end of the day, we got the three points, and that's all that really matters. And Sheffield sitting at the bottom, negative uh, thirty-one goal difference on eight points, six points from safety. They still have a, a, a chance, but um, Chris Wilder needs to find more and more out of this team to get to get results. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. The last game we had for the Saturday was uh, Burnley losing 2-0 to Everton. Everton continue their hot form. Five wins in their last six, four straight after that United loss. They sit on 16 points in 16th position. And, I mean, crazy, crazy stuff going on in, in uh, Goodison. 
uh, Amadou Onana in the 19th minute getting the first goal off corner. And then in the 25th minute, Michael Keane comes in, starts his first game since August, bags a goal, scrappy yep. one for him, scores against his former club. Uh, and then from there on, nothing really major going there for Burnley. They're 4-4-2. We saw an unexpected return for Burnley. Lyle Foster coming on in the six, in the 46th minute to start the second half for Jay Rodriguez. His connection, him and Amadou play a more dynamic combo than Jay Rodriguez, who's more your conventional nine. Uh, not too much on the ball. He's just more of a target man. But, yeah, it's great to see that he's back and is in the mental capacity to put up for a performance and help his teammates try to succeed on the field. But it wasn't enough for that for this strong Evertonian team with Sean Dice at the helm. So uh, it was also nice to see you got a nice warm reception reception at Turf Moor where he spent, I believe, 10 seasons. Yeah. Um, man, it, it's blowing my mind how well Everton are playing right now. It, it's it's really quite something. Uh, I know Burnley are, are not necessarily the hardest opposition to come up against right now. Uh, it's it's a huge departure of you know from back in the day when Dyche was actually there. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the reception he got. Burnley were really tough to play. I mean, they would throw everybody behind the ball and really actually defend, which is not even really how Everton are playing right now. There is a bit of free-flowing football going on up top with Garner and Harrison, uh, DCL even. It's it's really quite good, and they've managed to turn Onana and Ducore into, oddly enough, like very solid box-to-box midfielders. They can kind of do everything. And I am, for one, just shocked with how well Everton are playing. It's not... It's not as cancerous as it once was. It's still cancerous ball, don't get me wrong. The way they defend with the quality of defender they have, they kind of have to. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's really just an interesting watch every week. And it's looking like right now, if you give them the 10 points that they had, they'd be in ninth, excuse me, ninth place above Chelsea on 26 points. Crazy stuff, man. Yeah, it's, it's very surprising and... Everton was at the last two seasons has been a relegation candidate. They put themselves yep. in tough situations, and now you're finally seeing a lot of success. And even in this game, they had a lot of defensive scratches due to injury and suspension. There was a Minkalenko was a late scratch. Dwight McNeil played at a left wing back position, and you had Michael Keane, as I mentioned, who bagged the uh, the second goal. He started as well as Ben Godfrey in the back. So. You see a lot of different changes out here, and they still find a way to win, and it's nice to see. So, um, Burnley's end of it's tough. Um, only two wins this season. Not 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 looking good going forward when it comes to putting the ball in the back of the net. But you can see the plays a pattern they're going for. You can see the certain guys that need to get on the ball for them to succeed. Um, at that Odebart on the left wing, the the young Belgian. Yeah. He stepped in well the last couple games um, for Koliosha, who also was performing well on the left. And I just don't think they have enough dynamic players to create opportunities for themselves to succeed and and get a step on these teams. The back line isn't as reassured as you, you would need in the in this situation as a relegation candidate. So leaking too many goals and not scoring enough is always going to be a combo that that leads to your demise and get relegated at the end of the season. So. 
a lot of time left. The Christmas period is a perfect opportunity to cause a lot of upset with short short weeks notice, short rest, and, and little time before the next fixture. So they can get some points on other teams around them and put themselves in a better position to start the new year, as you mentioned, to the second chapter of the season. Yeah. Okay. First game on the Sunday window, we saw Arsenal with another similar scoreline, as we mentioned. 2-0 win over Brighton, who's been tricky over the past couple seasons for them. Um, they get the monkey off the back, off their back, excuse me. Um, Evan, how did you see this game play out in your eyes? I mean, kind of crazy, dude. Kind of wild stuff. Um, hold on one second. Keep going. Somebody's knocking on my door. So the way the game went, we didn't see anything in the first half. Arsenal was in good control for the most part when it came to solid chances, but in the end, Brighton with 51% possession to Arsenal's 49. When it came to shots, though, Arsenal's 26 to Brighton's 6. Nine on target for Arsenal to Brighton's 1. Opener in the 53rd minute, Gabby Jesus. And then Kai Havertz again coming up big. Quick counterattack, and Ketia slips him in. Uh, skips it right over the shoulder of the goalkeeper for Brighton. 2-0 win. And we saw... We saw Mill Smith-Rowe make a return in the 89th. Mm-hmm. He had an opportunity to get on the score sheet as well. So all around, this it's a good bounce-back win for Arsenal after a tough defeat to Villa. This puts them at the helm, at the pole position in the league on 39 points after Liverpool dropped their chance to reclaim first. Yeah. Um, one of the points I wanted to make was, was Rice, man. I mean, again, this is another game. He was sick all week, actually. Um Mikel maybe was considering not playing him, but Rice said, you know what, I want to start. You know, let me play. Played 90 minutes. Perfect 90 minutes. Uh, you know, another, like... This, this, the shitty thing is, is, like, the metrics aren't going to give Declan Rice a 9.9 every game. Not that he does deserve it every game, but he has been so good, dude. It's a revelation how much better this team is when it's just Rice playing the center mid role and Odegaard out on the on the right being able to go forward. The the defensive midfield is just so much better. It's so much cleaner and you don't really have to worry about all of the mistakes that we were making. Last year so many things come to mind with just like shit play that we had in there. A lot of it stemming from Jorginho, who was playing way too much. Um, yeah, he's not even like remotely near the team at this point. Every once in a while you see him, but um, I think Havertz is, is developing. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or if this is his normal December outburst of goals and he'll go back to being useless, but it really does seem to me that the players like him, and he likes the players, and it seems like the fans are really behind him now. Mikel has a hard on for him. I don't, I don't know where it came from, but maybe Mikel is a better talent scout than I gave him credit for. I don't know. Uh, the Reyes signing definitely not one of his stronger signings, but it does seem like to me that you know Havertz is is a key part in this team, especially the last five six weeks. It seems like he's huge. Uh, for us, and I'm I'm really happy. It seems like we can get goals from, you know, pretty much anybody across the top six right now with Martinelli, Jesus, Saka, Odegaard, Rice, and Havertz uh, all being able to score, all being threatening. 
plus you throw in uh, the fact that Ben White and Zinchenko are both really good going forward. I don't know. I'm really happy. And it was nice to see us win a game, dominate the game, and not have, you know, 70 or 80% possession. Well, I've seen those games already. This is one of the games where you share the possession and the team who had the better chances wins. Brighton are not an easy team to play against. This is exactly what I wanted to see from Arsenal. I thought this could be a trap, but it was very nice to see. Arteta also picking up his fourth yellow of the season. I believe he's yeah. got the most cards out of all managers. So, Yeah, um, Jose, a bit like Jose. Uh -huh. One other thing about Arsenal, I saw Martinelli, two goals, two assists this season. Last year, 15 goals, five assists in the league. Is, yeah. is there a need of more from those wingers? We know Saka is doing well this season on the right. As always, he's got he's got five. I think that's leading the team up there. Yeah. Um, is there gonna is there more of a need? The goals are really spread in this team. You can rely on any of these guys to put in a good chance. But is there really a need for somebody that's like a fifteen plus goal scorer to get that comfortability at first? Just get like to close games out. I mean, if we if we're gonna have that anywhere, I'd rather it be at the striker position. Um, With Jesus' I, fitness and the lack of confidence, yeah. and then Ketia maybe in. There's the rumors of Ivan Tony links and potentially him coming. With that summer interview of him being a fan of Arsenal, yeah. Is I there mean, I think, is there a need for a figure like that? Yeah, I I would absolutely bite your arm off for for Ivan Tony, but then I I genuinely feel that. Jesus does so much that he doesn't get credit for. He is such a good holder of the ball and dribbler. He opens so much space. We saw this immediately when he, when he came in at Arsenal. And he doesn't get a shit ton of credit for it. I, I think he is, like, key. We play so much better when Jesus is on the pitch. I don't know where you move him if we get Ivan Tony, Because if we got Tony, you have to start him. He is a proven goal scorer. He's so good. You don't buy a player like that and stick him on the bench. That would be like buying Ollie Watkins and sticking him on the bench. You can't do that. So it, Martinelli's been kind of mediocre this season. I mean, I think still still solid. Uh, would never want to get rid of a player like that. I think he's super dynamic. My you know sort of guess to what would happen if we sign one of those fifteen to twenty goals. You know goals per season players is Jesus would get moved to the left because he can play left wing and he often plays wide uh, for Brazil. You could absolutely move him out there, move Martinelli, Martinelli to the bench and then put Tony up top. I, I have no idea. Um, but if we sign one of those players and I don't necessarily think we need it, it would be nice to have. It would make us better. Um, then that's kind of what I would expect. Unless uh, you know, Mikel decides to totally change the formation. That's possible too, but I don't know. I mean, if you get a full season of Jesus being healthy, I'm sure that wouldn't be a question, but it just seems at times there's always a two to three week period where he's out and then it'll happen maybe yeah. three times a season. So, yep. all right. Um, speaking of those strikers, we mentioned they played each other. Their two clubs did Brentford one, yeah. Aston Villa two. This was a tale of two halves. The, mm -hmm. the definition of it first half pretty tame cordial late first uh late for the first goal and then right before the half Keen lewis yep. potter bags on a miscleared ball for villa alex marina didn't go and clear it uh Keen lewis potter was the one to be aggressive and attack it gets his reward 
And then the second half is where fireworks went off. Um, we saw Leon Bailey come in for Musa Diaby. That was a big difference maker, as well as Mupai in the 68th for Brentford. Um, but it really started in the 71st minute where Ben Mee got a red card. It was originally deemed a yellow. And once again, VAR upgraded to red for the reckless uh, endangerment of the player. I believe it was only on Bailey. So 10 men Brentford for 20 plus minutes, holding a 1-0 lead. 77th minute, Alex Moreno on a whipped ball in from Bailey gets the equalizer. And then in the 85th minute, Ollie Watkins scores the winner against his former club, um, was eating it up in the celebrations, taunting the home fans, his former club. Um, Sam Gudis wasn't a fan of that. He came in and broke it up, and there was a big scuffle. A lot of yellows handed out for that. We also saw Neil Maupai pressing uh, Villa, gave a nice little shoulder barge to Emmy Martinez. He ate it up, making a charade out of it. And then, not five minutes later... Emmy Martinez runs into the back of Mupai, does the same thing, and Emmy Martinez is getting upset about it. Even yeah. though they're up 2-1, even though Brentford's wasting their own time, he feels the need to try to pull him up, leaves him, and then come, camera comes across and does the same thing. Big scuffle, and then the the every year we see this, camera, camera puts his hands around Yarmolink's throat gets a straight red for that all the villa players and managers are thinking what the fuck are you doing you could see in john mcginn's face he's like what the fuck are you doing he gets sent off for no reason and then the game ends 2-1 unai emery also picked up a yellow i believe there was over 10 cardings managers players um the lot absolute scenes but at the end of the day villa another win tied on points with liverpool on 38 only a point behind arsenal crazy stuff crazy man it's wild i have no idea what they're cooking in birmingham right now but villa are just lying man this is this game is more of a ben me you know being that fucking and like everything just went downhill from there um kind of a disaster Huge disaster for Brentford, considering they played well in the first half. I thought, you know, it's another one of those, like, kind of five at the back. You know, what they did against Arsenal, where we had to nick it so late. Um, that's the way that they wanted to play this one, but they actually managed to get a goal themselves. I am shocked that they didn't sit on that lead. You know, it wouldn't have surprised me if Villa got one back towards the end, but the fact that they went ahead, scored two, took all three points, considering, you know, this wasn't one of their, you know, shining games this season. I was shocked, but this is the sign of a serious contending team. And if things had gone a little bit different this week and, and maybe Arsenal um, had lost, they would be within the top two. And they're only a point off the top right now. I, I don't I don't think it's crazy to, to say, you know, Villa could lead at one point this season. They look absolutely unstoppable, man. We may see that in the next two we weeks. Might, we might see it next week. They, yeah. This this weekend they host Sheffield, then they travel to, to Old Trafford, and then they host Burnley to end the year. So I can easily see nine points right there potentially. So, so if Liverpool and Arsenal draw, like a lot of people are expecting it to be. Yeah. And Villa beat Sheffield, which they should. 
Yeah. Barring a catastrophe, they should win 3 0. Then they're top. Yep, that's correct. They'd be a Which... point above Arsenal. This team was in the championship three seasons ago. Yeah, this is what happens when you appoint the right guy. It, it's this the, is the right guy. It's just like Leicester. The spending, it's just when you, when, you, when you can get the ball rolling and you can get the little things right and the small details, uh, the big stuff will come. So this is a pure example of, of how a club should be run and how the yep. success follows it. So um, I think it comes to January where they need to hold on to these guys. They need to send, yeah. lock them down to long-term contracts so that there aren't any whispers come close to the summertime where they get lured away for those big wages, which we know a few of them will probably bite at. I mean, they just have, like, they actually have a lot of solid depth. Yeah. They have Bailey. They have Diaby. Like, Diaby and Bailey are interchangeable. Actually, Bailey's been better this season. They've got um, Jean Duran, who's been good in spurts. Nicola Zaniolo, another great player. Tailemans, fantastic. Not even named in the team here. Um, see, he might be injured now, but yeah. Uh, yeah, just crazy, man. The amount of quality they have right now, and players they have, they've either had or or just picked up for not not all that much. It's it's really impressive, man. They're it's a great project. It's very very entertaining to watch. Yep. Okay. Uh, two matches left. West Ham three, Wolves nil. Yeah. The the Mohamed Kudu show once again gets a brace. That guy's a demon, dude. Paqueta credited with two assists. Um, Bowen got the third to top it all off. Um, we haven't been seeing West Ham fire like this in a while, but a very strong, dominant performance. It puts them in eighth position on 27 points. They jump right in after this. Um, they're only a point behind United in that year in that Conference League spot. And Wolves, this this put them in 13th, their first loss in in a few matches. But yeah, overall, we saw the London Stadium jump in after after Kudus. I mean, this man Kudus, ever since he's been put into this team after they brought he's him electric. from the summer, he's made that right wing spot his. He is so fast. He can play, you know, in the center. He can play as an attacking mid. He can play out on the right. Um, he could probably play out on the left as well with how good he is cutting in. Uh, this guy is just, like, not a prototypical West Ham player. And it goes to show you, like, this is what happens when you spend the money on a proven talent who's played in a top, you know, five, six league. I'd say the Eredivisie is a top five league. Um, I think it is. I think yeah, it it, it's probably five. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a – yeah, we don't even need to talk about that Farmers League. Um, Kudus was really good uh, under Ten Hag at, at Ajax. This is actually a player that was like United needed to be screaming for, dude. Um, Chelsea were in for him in the summer. I think Arsenal took a look at him, and he wound up at West Ham, which is very surprising, but he's been very good for them this season. Uh, hasn't, you know, he's not getting a start every game. I think now that we've come to the point where he's a must start. Uh, just because of what he provides in terms of pace and finishing ability. He scored a couple of absolute bangers. Uh, played against me this week in fantasy. Yeah, I got fucked by him. Uh, I think he had two goals and an assist, if I recall correctly. Or was it was it Bowen with the assist on the last? Um, or, it might have been. It's not listed for Kudus. Oh, it was assists. Paqueta. Yeah, Paqueta had two assists. Yeah, yeah. But... 
Yeah, they're going to be losing him to the AFCON come the next week or so, so that's going to be a hole they have to fix. I yeah. Know, I know Antonio should be returning soon, so that could right. be a nice solution, put him up top and slide Bowen back out to the right. So that might solve their issue for a week or two until Ghana either wins the cup or gets knocked out early. Yeah. Um, Wolves side of things, they just didn't, they couldn't find the they couldn't find the finishing product. When it comes to the stats, they they had the advantage in possession. They were more accurate with their passes. They were more clinical in tackles and pretty even on shots as well. But it just seemed like that quick counterattack for West Ham, the explosion they have after they win the ball, whether it's from a set piece or they win a defensive situation, um, Kudus as a outlet pass is just pretty pretty unstoppable. Yeah. Um, I have I I I'm concerned a little bit about you're still talking about West Ham, right? Yeah. Um, what happens when he does go to Afcon? Because when you take a player that's in form like this, you know, and and West Ham are moving up the table, you take him out and you put a freshly off the injury list uh, Antonio in there, and then you throw Bowen back into a where Kudus was like I don't think the production is going to be the same it sucks when this kind of shit happens you get a player that's like bursting into form and then you lose them uh, for it's not an obscure tournament I mean AFCON is huge especially the African players seem to really really you know feel a duty to go and play in it it's just like any other country really it's just in a really weird time slot um, right around the Christmas congestion area where you need those players. Uh, we saw this happen all the time when Liverpool would lose Mane or they'd lose Salah to go play in AFCON. It's very tough. Uh, I have no idea how they're going to replace Kudus right now, but hopefully that uh, Bowen's been all right. Hopefully he's able to slot back in and that attacking mid right wing-ish kind of role. Uh, maybe Antonio will pick up some slack, but I wouldn't count on that. Yeah, there are some players that decline and stay in there in the club team. So. I I think one year I don't remember if it was Mane or Salah, but one of them did decline and stayed. Yeah, so that obviously can have some sway. The club might have some say with the player. Maybe try to convince him with the situation at the club, whether they're in a tight spot to getting in a in a relegation position, or if they're challenging for the title and they need that player for their run of fixtures. So. Case by case situation, but should be interesting to see what happens after that. We also have the Asian Cup as well. So any Asian players, you got Matoma, um, you got Huang Hee Chan. Not very many Asian players play in the Prem, but there are some high profile ones this year that are in breakout years. So they'll be missed for their clubs. But uh, the last game, once again, Evan got this Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil. Super frustrating for the Anfield faithful to not get anything out of this game where everybody thought it was going to be a thumping against United, but the the rickety defense that people thought held up. Kobe Minu stepped in, held his own. You were right, McTominay played at that 10 role, but they just didn't, they bent, they bent, they say bend, don't break, and that's what they did. Onana, eight saves on the day, clean sheet. Um... How big of a result is this for United, do you think? Or do you think it's just nah, a, a game-by-game situation? The next game, it'll be a shit show. I think it's a game-by-game. Game. I expect the next game to be a complete shit show. I think, um, yeah, I think just like you at, mentioned. I think they're playing at West Ham this week. Yeah, that's not going to be easy. Um, 
It's interesting, man. Uh, everybody said, like like you said, everyone thought this would be a drubbing. This is what happens when every pundit and every person who's ever had a thought about football thinks something is going to happen. Fucking somehow or another, the game winds up being a snore slugfest, weirdo, nil-nil, 1-1, one, one, draw. This happens all the time, dude. And I knew something was going to happen. I should have put in Liverpool and United draw and City and Palace draw. All of the money was on Liverpool and all of the money was on City. It's just, it's uncanny, man. This shit happens all the time. Liverpool were obviously better. I mean, they had 34 shots, the United six. Yep. Um, they held 70% of the ball. However, that fucking front three was absolutely shocking. Salah was shocking. Nunez was horrendous. And Diaz, para papa, hasn't quite been the same since his dad came back. I don't know what's going on with Liverpool <laughs> up top. They've got a ton of goals from the midfield in the meantime, and we haven't had to talk about you know what's going on up top. Salas had a couple of good games, but Nunez and Diaz, and even you know Cody Gakpo when we see him, they have not been very good this season. They have been quite poor. It's been Salah and the midfield and the defense really. PAA mainly, who have pulled them through in the big moments. Um, and they deserve more credit than we've given them, to be fair, for, for sticking out in these games. But this is a game, if you're a Liverpool right now, if you're a Liverpool fan, you are absolutely seething that you're not top after playing this United team. I mean, they were horrendous. The only player out there who looked to be up to the task was fucking Mainu again. And I guess we're, actually Ron had a good game as well, but it's shocking stuff, dude. I, I cannot believe they couldn't score. Yeah, a lot of cards here, more heavy on the United side. We saw a double yellow for Delo in the 93rd minute, two yellows in within 10 seconds, both labeled as dissent for Michael Oliver. Um, and there was an article, I think, that came out said like he wasn't supposed to get sent off, like Nunes during the game was supposed to get a second yellow, but I don't know. I didn't look too much into it, but... So he'll be out for their next match against West Ham. So Juan Basaka probably slide in there. Uh, Rashford potentially could have had a, a red card on a VAR decision. But yeah, it wasn't the prettiest game. But at the end of the day, I'm sure Ten Hag's approach was just pack it in, get the point, and get out. And they did it. And so that drops Liverpool to second. That keeps United in seventh position um, above West Ham there on 28th. They're only a point behind Newcastle in sixth. And. To close out the year, United have a couple matches that are going to be a little tricky. We mentioned West Ham in their next one, and then I mentioned it already they host Aston Villa. And then to close of the year, they play a Forest team at the city ground where they're going to have a new manager bounce. So it's not going to be easy for them to close out the year. Um, Bruno will be back after his suspension, so he'll have a little rest. And other than that, that's really it. They don't have any other reinforcements coming back to help them. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's all the games from Game Week 17. Let's get into our our best and worst players of the week. Let's start off with that worst player. All right. Uh, a lot of good candidates you can go with here, Evan, but who tops it off? This is a tough one. I, I kind of want to give it to um 
to Raul Jimenez, but I also like that that error that that Matty Turner made in that game makes me want to give it to him too. I think I'll stick with Raul. Um, yeah. He fired any chance of them winning that game into the bin in the twenty second minute. That's that's all on him, dude. I'm putting everything on Raul Jimenez. I'll give it to him. That's such a catastrophic. Just you know, he took a shit on their morale. Uh, after they've been playing so well. Uh, I'm going to give it to them. We have five red cards this game week, four of them to the away <laughs> teams. Uh, mine's also going to be to another guy that got a red, a more unnecessary one, Bubakar Kamara mm-hmm. for Vela. Just, it's the end of the game, you're up, there's no need to get involved in anything dumb, and now you put yourself out of contention for the squad for the next three games, so... That's costly, especially when Tillymans is going to be coming back. So you're going to be fighting for your role once again. Um, okay. Um, now for the other side of the coin, brought to you by Eli, that best player of the week. I'm the best, man. I did it. Mm. Who, who wins your crown this week? Uh, so it's between Amaduo Nana and uh, Mr. Nico Jackson. I think Ooh. I'm going to give it to Nico. Hey. Uh, this guy's been getting a lot of slander, man. He gets a lot of slander, and he's got seven goals in the league. He has been serviceable for Chelsea, and I, I know for a fact I have slandered him. He could have way more than seven goals, but you know what? With a team in transition and really only kind of relying on your reliable service from Sterling and occasionally Cole Palmer, he's having a really solid season. People talk about this Hoyland kid that United signed, yet to score in the league, but everybody says, looks good, looks strong, going to be a great player. Nico Jackson is way outpacing him. I think, you know, considering his age, considering his experience level, uh, he has been pretty much all you could ask for, for what you paid for. So um, I'm going to give it to Nico Jackson. Hopefully he continues. I mean, he's not going to be Drogba, but he is... Been, he's been solid. Even though he claimed yeah, he'll be the next. Um, yeah, he sure, certainly will not be him. <laughs> we'll see. He's got seven years left on his deal. He's got a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Todd um, Bully will be dead by then. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, honorable mention for me, Richarlison. Hot form recently, but I'm going to give it to somebody that I don't think I'll ever give it to again the rest of the season. John Philippe Mateta um, bagged a big goal at the Etihad when they were down 2-0 and also won a penalty for his team which uh, Talisman Michael Lisse put away. Um, for for being that clear second-choice striker behind Odson Edward and always fighting for minutes, he stepped up in a big moment for his team and, cl- and the club in general uh, and continues that narrative that Palace are just that bogey team for City. So I'll give it to JPM. All right. How about it? Very nice. Okay. We go to the first Christmas period of games. Kicked off this Thursday, we have Crystal Palace hosting Brighton. Um, Evan, what are you thinking? I think I gotta go with my boys, Crystal Palace. As long as Eze starts, I love their chances. Um, Mateta had a great week last week, like you just mentioned. Uh, Alise's been great for them since he's come back. I think you throw Eze in there. They've got the three. Amigos should be very creative. Love it. I think they win. Um, I'm going to be getting Zach's picks at a later point, so I'll have those later on for on record. But for myself, I'm going to go with Palace too. I think short week. Wow. I think I shouldn't think a short week works in their favor, especially with this Brighton team dealing with a lot of defensive injuries. 
and um, with attack and woes, they can't bearing those clear chances. So I'm going to go with Palace. The one thing that's wavering for me is their home record. They are second to bottom when it comes to home record. They've only gotten one win in their eight matches at home. So that's going to be a little worrying for me, but hopefully Eze and Alyssa play together for at least 45 minutes, and I think that can get the job done. Yeah. Okay, we jump to Friday with another lone game. Aston Villa hosting Sheffield. I'm going to go with Villa. They're 8-0 at home, only giving up five goals. Sheffield on the road, eight games, one point. It's clear, very clear <laughs> what the result's going to be, but if it plays into that United-Liverpool logic, you would think otherwise, right, Evan? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Sheffield are not quite on the level of United, though. They've scored four uh, goals on the road. They've only, they've conceded 22 on the road. Who are you taking? I'm taking Aston Villa. I think this is a clean win for them. It might not be a 5-0, but I think they get a clean 2-0, if not like a 2-1 win. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Villa as well, but like I, I you know, I, I already mentioned what happens when everybody is siding with one team. Sometimes it can go awry. Uh, it's, it's happened with City in the past. It happens to Arsenal every now and then. I'll go with Villa, but I'm not. I'm really actually not super confident in it. Hmm. Okay, I'm sure the odds are going to be at least like minus 600 for Villa. Uh, more, probably more than that. All right, we have six games on Saturday. There was supposed to be seven, but Man City being in the Club World Cup has their their match with Brentford postponed to a future date. So the early kickoff Saturday is West Ham hosting Manchester United. Uh, I'm going to go with the Hammers here, even though I don't trust them yeah. at home. But I think Bruno coming back from a week or a game off, I should say, was going to add a little bit more dynamic uh, attack to them. So... I think it's going to be close, but I think West Ham edge it here on set pieces alone. I think they're just going to be more physical. Yeah, I'm going to take a draw. Uh, I think that was a bit of an eruption last week against Wolves. Um, I don't necessarily think West Ham can, you know, replicate that. Uh, United probably will be chuffed with their draw last week, and I think uh, they'll carry some momentum, believe it or not, on a draw into this one. I'll I'll take a draw. I think they could... uh, at least nick a point from this one. Yeah, we don't get a lot of West Ham games in prime time slots, so this should no. Be... They play they play entertaining football as well. Yeah. They didn't always, but they do now. Yeah, but they're not broadcasted like in a in a slot like a lone game slot a lot. So this would be nice to see Kudus going yeah. at, at Luke Shaw, and we'll see how JWP rips people apart on set pieces. So that should be nice to see. Yeah. Um. A game that could potentially be a high-scoring game in my eyes. We have Fulham hosting Burnley. Um, where are you leaning here? No Jimenez, but I think Vinicius Good. should start up top potentially. Yeah, we'll take Fulham. I think uh, Carlos Vinicius is actually better than uh, Raul Jimenez, and I think we're going to see another nice performance out of uh, Iwobi and Harry Wilson. They've both been pretty good so far this season, so I'll take Fulham. I think they win this one easily, actually. Okay. I'm taking Fulham as well. I think it's a nice bounce-back game. Potentially, they could rest some guys in the last 15 minutes, which would, would be a big bonus for them to play on short notice. Um, okay. Luton host in Newcastle. This is going to be my wild card pick. I'm going with a draw. After Luton's performances against City, Liverpool, and Arsenal at Kenilworth Road, I think it continues here. Might be a fool's thought, but I'm going to go with the, with them sharing the points. Yeah, I am going to take 
Newcastle. Okay. Okay. All right. Next, we got this is a big one here in my eyes. We got Forest hosting Bournemouth. Bournemouth in red hot form, playing Forest with a new manager on the horizon potentially. We could see Nuno here. If not, we could be seeing Steve Cooper's farewell tour here. Um, I'm going to take Forrest. I think Nuno will be in charge by then and gets a bounce. What do you think? I'm going to take Bournemouth. Um, they've just been too hot, I think, uh, to sort of go against. I, I think they win this one. Even after last week, the game being abandoned, uh, they're probably kind of upset about that still. I think they come out and play well. I'll take Bournemouth. All right. Uh, I would say this is probably the second or third biggest game in my eyes. We got Tottenham hosting Everton. Yeah. Last game at 10 o'clock. Um, what are you thinking here, Evan? Oh, excuse me. I'm going to take Tottenham. Um, this one, I honestly could go any of three ways. I, I could see any of the results, to be honest. Spurs are kind of due for a Spursy uh, game week, I think, but. They've been playing really well. I think Everton, if you want to talk about a team who's due for a loss, I mean, Everton are up there. So I'll take Tottenham. I just think it's a matter of form. And um, they they might edge them on quality going forward. Oh, they definitely do. Uh, but the midfield battle, I mean, Everton are going to win that. Uh, I just think a couple moments of brilliance from Son or even from Richarlison or Kulu, that's all it takes. So I'll take Tottenham. I'm going to take a draw. I think Udogi mm. missing the game will be big. Jack Harrison down that right's been been in great form. And I think whoever they put there, whether it's Emerson or if they slide Ben Davies out there for a little bit, should be interesting to see how they cope. But I think they share the points here. Um, and I agree. I think Everton's going to lose one of these games coming up. But, yeah, I think they get a point here still. All right, the headliner of this window, we got Liverpool hosting Arsenal at the at Anfield. Um, I'm going to take Liverpool here. Even after all that slander we gave them in their attack, they're going to be frustrated with no goals against United. And this potentially could be game of the season. Yeah. Uh, I think you know who I'm going to go with in this one. So, Yeah, it's been a while since they lost at home. Yes, it has. Okay. All right. We're split there. I'm sure Zach will take a draw. Um and then the final game on Christmas Eve, 8 a.m. kickoff, Wolves hosting yeah. Chelsea. What are you thinking? I think it's a Christmas miracle for you lot. I'll take Chelsea. I think it's a nice little win for you. And Kunku is back. He's your present under the Christmas tree. Uh, I think he actually scores a goal. Hopefully he awesome. starts. That would be great. It'd be big. I'm sure that would start your Christmas off just fantastically. Uh, we'll go with Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to be, unfortunately, I'm more pessimistic. I think we're going to share the points here. I think playing at the Molyneux is going to be a little tricky. And I just, after what I saw today, wasn't very promising. So um, hopefully it's more open for us. I think quick, quicker decision-making to play balls in behind will be nice to let loose Nico Jackson and such. Um, Enzo Fernandez did get subbed off early in this match today against Newcastle. So yeah, sick. I don't yeah, okay, he was ill. All right, I was unsure. It just happened out of the blue, and I didn't see him like injured coming off, so I was worried. But I honestly think that, that it might play to our benefit. It'll allow Cole Palmer and Kunku to start at that 10, and could be promising. But I just think we a weird result ends here, and I think we tie. All right. All right. 
that concludes the predictions. We gave you our players of the week, worst and best, and we also recapped all the matches that happened. The next couple episodes are going to be a little hectic. I think Sunday might be a solo episode from Evan, depending on my work schedule, but that'll be the next time you hear from us. We'll be on Christmas Eve, and hopefully, if you guys don't hear from me by then, have a have a Merry Christmas. hope you guys mm-hmm. have a good holiday season. Um, and yeah, Evan, anything else? No. Uh, you guys will hear from me uh, if you don't hear from both of us. But again, Merry Christmas and, and you know, enjoy these uh, couple of days leading up to Christmas and uh, you'll hear plenty from us over the next couple of weeks. So no, no, wor- no need to fret. Yep. Uh, if you guys want to hear any past content we have or stay tuned for future, you guys can follow us at post Twenty pod on Instagram and Twitter, as well as follow us on our stream of platforms on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple podcasts for future content. And also, like I mentioned, past content that you might've missed. Um, so yeah, yeah. Have a Merry Christmas if I don't talk to you guys in the future or sorry, before the holiday. Um, Are you going somewhere that you should let us know about? A s- secret escape. You're talking about going <laughs> yeah. south. I might do the Are same. You, are you vanishing? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, until then, we'll see you guys. Take care.